so, did you stay up to watch all the Royals game on Monday night? A wild game with the Yankees at the K ended with an 8-6 Royals loss in 11 innings. But there's so much to discuss, including the baseball record set in a game that really didn't end until Tuesday morning. So we do that on today's Sportsbeat KC with beat writer Lynn Worthy and columnist Sam Mellinger. I'm Blair Kirkhoff, and it's Tuesday, August 10th. This show originated as a Sportsbeat Live. We also get into why manager Mike Matheny is now going with a six-man rotation and discuss two of the team's brightest spots, starting pitcher Carlos Hernandez and infielder Nicky Lopez. So let's get going, talking Royals with Lynn and Sam. Hey, good morning from a rainy and stormy Kansas City, and we're going to blame that for any technical issues we we might have today. Uh, welcome to Sportsbeat Live, the Kansas City Star's weekly conversation about the Royals with the folks in the media who know them best. And fortunately for this show, those folks work for the Star. Beat writer Lynn Worthy and columnist Sam Mellinger are here. Hi, guys. What's up? The other member of our foursome, Vahe Gregorian, is off this week. Hey, this show works because we get to hear from you. Please send us your questions and comments, and we'll get to as many of them as we can. Before we get going, I want to give a shout-out to our sponsor, the University of Kansas Health System. You will hear from them later in the show. So about last night and into early this morning, uh, it was game number 111 on the Royal schedule, and... It was unlike any other, not because it went a season-long 11 innings or a season-long four hours and 52 minutes, but because of how it transpired. And uh, I guess we should say up front, the Royals lost the game 8-6, to six, but I was trying to stay with it in, in, into the 8th, ninth, and 10th inning. I finally fell asleep in the 10th, but that's because, listen, I'm old and I just can't stay awake like I used to. If I were a younger fan like you guys uh, or a younger person like you guys, I would have stayed with it. And, of course, Lynn, you were out there at the ballpark. Why was this 8-6, to 11-inning game so unusual? Well, because the Royals decided to rally not one, not two, not three, <laughs> but, well, I guess successfully rallied four times and then had – made an attempt at a fifth in the 11th inning. So it was um, it was something to see that to come down. They were down one. They rallied from one run de- deficit three times, a two-run deficit, and then they were down three, and they actually brought the uh, – they got the tiring run on base, go-ahead and run at the plate in the bottom of the 11th. But uh, three runs was a little bit too much. Um, and in between, you know, you had, of course, bullpens giving up runs and, and – home runs by Missouri natives and and everything else that you could probably have uh, dreamt of, even though most people were probably dreaming while we were still covering the game. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So if this game had a name, it would be Elias because (laughs) you had to check with Elias for the records that were set yesterday. And so one of them was uh, exactly zero times in in the history of baseball have both teams scored in the seventh, eighth, ninth, 10th and 11th innings. That was a first for baseball. The Yankees slowing four leads in this game was was that a, was that a first or a first since a long time ago? I can't remember. I forget I, now. I'd have to take a look. <laughs> my two favorite tidbits from this game, like I think we all agree, like this is stuff that you got to be a little bit nerdy to appreciate. But um, I'm the guy for the job. Uh, the Yankees used six pitchers in the game last night, and four of them blew saves. <laughs> 
Like that's pretty incredible. And the other one, uh, Jason Stark found this one. You, you just mentioned this, Blair. It was the first time that that two teams had ever scored in the seventh, eighth, ninth, tenth, and eleventh innings. But only two teams in the last one hundred years of baseball had done that in any game. Like not in the same game, but it in any game. So like we had literally, there's never been a baseball game. Uh, like the one that we saw last night. And then the weird, like, there was that, like, I mean, it was, a, it was a hard ground ball, but, you know, hit to Nicky Lopez, and it just, did it catch him on the cheek or the neck or something? And it was just I believe, like. I believe it was the chin. It was like he got, he caught it, like, right off the chin in the same game where they lost an umpire for a ball that caught yeah. him off the chin earlier in the night. Saved the Royals' <laughs> run. <laughs> on that one. Uh, yeah, it was, it was just a super bizarre game. And I know, like, if, if you're looking at this just purely as a Royals standpoint, you're frustrated because they lost. But, you know, they, they say, like, every day you come to the ballpark, you see something you've never seen before. Um, there was a lot of that. There was a lot of that last night. Yeah, look, we had a ball bounce off second base for a Yankees base hit. And it looked like they had just caught the break of the game. And then the Royals seemed to catch a break on a play at the plate, which I, I yeah. thought Aaron Judge was safe. I thought the replay would uh, indicate that. And the, the original call of out was upheld at the plate. Oh, oh, I'm sorry, but real quick. Yeah, we also had the hardest hit ball in the stat cast era <laughs> turned into a double play. <laughs> for right. the it was just like... <laughs> Not a 500-foot home run, but a double play. Yeah, a lot of goofy things. It really was strange, and it was terribly entertaining. And Lynn, you were there. Sam, I assume you watched it on TV like I did, and I uh, I was caught up with uh, Ryan Fever. I thought did a great job calling the game, yeah. and uh, it was so enjoyable. It's never terribly enjoyable when you're there to cover a game like this, and it goes nearly five hours. So what time did you get home last night, Lynn, or this morning? Uh, I know I was... On my way home in in the car, definitely I saw a two in in the front of that, which meant it was after two a.m. or in that neighborhood. So I I remember that, and I remember being like, "Yeah, it's not good." And I don't remember checking the time after that. That was all I really needed to know. And we are all blaming Josh Vernier. Jo- Vern, this is this was amazing how this happens in baseball. But I don't remember what inning it was. But at one point in the middle of that game, when you had no idea what it was going to turn out he says something about how you know that extra inning rule pretty much makes sure that the games don't go they won't go but so long like he literally said we were having that conversation about how he he's like oh yeah well that extra runner on second base extra inning games never go long now he's like he, he said this way before we ever got to extras and so when they got to the um the 10th inning and two runs scored and it's like okay well the row is going to rally from two runs and they got a runner on. And I turned around and looked at Josh and said, if somebody messes around and hits like a two-run home run here and this thing keeps going, this is all your fault. <laughs> and he was like, and to his credit, he said, yeah, yeah, you should blame me. Yep. <laughs> he owned it. He should have. We've all been there when, like, you, you just asked Lynn. This is my favorite part of the show so far. You asked Lynn, like, what time did you get home? And she's, did you notice this? He just goes, ah. Like, he hadn't really, like, <laughs> it just, like, drove through the, <laughs> drove through the hangings or whatever. Man, we've been there. <laughs> Absolutely. It was one of those games where if I had been covering it last night and I'd have gotten home, the newspaper would have been on the driveway when I got <laughs> home last night. The other thing about the extra innings, I think all four runners placed on second scored, right? The two yeah. in the 10th and the two in the 11th. So that, I don't know if that was a first. That's what you're supposed to do, right? If you, you place a runner on second, you're supposed to be able to get him around. And what happened in the, in the top of the 11th, the Yankees did that plus two more. And that's what ended up deciding the game. So 
I don't know. Do we buy into Mike Matheny's, you know, great character, great, um, I don't know, um, togetherness to stay close and battle a, a really hot Yankees team, by the way. best. I think now they have the best record in baseball since the All-Star game. Is, is there something there? I mean, the Royals haven't played well in the last week or so after playing well since the All-Star break. I did think it was a pretty gutsy effort. They're running out there. They're running out a team that I hope is not going to be terribly recognizable in a couple of years with a lot of parts. But Heck, to, to score in the 7th, 8th, ninth, 10th, and 11th innings to match the Yankees almost until the 11th, pretty gutsy effort. Uh, would you agree? Yeah, I mean, I think the fact that, you know, not just to, to score, but to, you know, I mean, to have to score. I mean, now I guess the 7th the and 8th, you didn't have to, but the ninth and 10th, you had to score runs or, you know, the game's over to, you know, to be in that position where, I mean, and obviously these are professional athletes, you never want to say anybody's going to just give up, but could have been easy to be like, all right, well, they got us, you know, we'll come back and get them tomorrow, another ball game. But to keep saying, no, no, we got, we, we've got a chance here. We just need to get this one run or get these two runs, give our guys a chance and we can win this game. I think there's something to that. How much, I, I don't know. It might be one of those things that shows up, down the line when they, if, you know, these guys who are part of this game are part of something maybe more crucial or a run where they're able to put together some games like this or to do some of the crazy things that maybe you've seen teams in the past do. If, if this is sort of the platform, the springboard for that, then I think that's when maybe you see that it's a, a really important thing. But I don't know if we can really tell that right now. Bill Snyder had the, the great line, right, about they don't let you quit. You know, somebody asked him about that, like his team was down by a bunch and, hey, they kept fighting. He's like, they don't let you quit. Lynn said they're professional athletes and all that stuff. But I, I do think that it shows a little bit of something, right? Like, and, and not just like last night, if you just look at what I think they played like 110, 111 games, maybe this is like a backhanded compliment that is actually an insult. I don't mean it that way, but there's only been one time that I can think of. And Lynn, I'd be curious if you disagree with me on this, that, that I felt like they just kind of looked beat down just defeated, like emotionally just spent. And that was that day game, I think a getaway game in Boston when they got beat a million to one or whatever it was. You know, other than that, especially with like how many ups and downs this season has had, you know, look, it doesn't, <laughs> you don't get into the playoffs <laughs> based on on what we're talking about right here. But, um, you know, it does beat the alternative at least. Yeah, and I try to think if there's any game that jumps out to me. Uh, I know the game that you're talking about, and I'm trying to think if when they had any of those, like, you know, either of the long streaks, if there's a game that where I just feel like, you know, that it was just rough and you could tell that it wasn't going to happen. And I don't remember. I probably have to go back and, and think about it, but I don't remember any game where you just said, all right, they're just not in it. You know, they're ready to, to hit the bus or get on the plane or anything like that. I, I don't remember many of those and yeah. you know and last night like you said last night was game 111 so maybe there's something i'm not thinking of but oh, it's not coming to me right away at least the one i'm thinking of I, I just looked it up on baseball reference it was july 1st 15 to 1 and that was the end of a fairly long losing streak and for whatever it's worth they won the next two games at home against the twins so i don't know it's just it's at least something that I think about with this group. Yeah, and I, I remember the game that you're talking about was the, I believe that was the day that Bubich started and the Red Sox, I don't remember how many home runs they hit, but that was that stretch where they couldn't throw J.D. Martinez a changeup, but they kept throwing J.D. Martinez changeups and they kept getting smashed. That, that's what I remember from that stretch. I remember the stretch, but I don't remember if there was a specific game, like that West Coast trip they had where you had the young starters get hit hard 
there were some games there that were lopsided or that were rough. I just don't remember if there was any that were really just like, you know, guys who are, I don't want to say packed it in again because it's, you know, professional athletes, but some of those games were just over early because you had those rough starts from some of the pitchers. And so that would probably be like, oh, remember anything specific. Like I would, I would think that might be a stretch where you might have found a game where it was a little lackluster. But again, I'm just sort of, I'm thinking that's where it would be likely. I'm not pointing to a specific game. Sure. And Sam, you might have it called up in front of you, the, the the baseball reference page. I believe that Boston game on Sunday was the end of a long road trip to a New York, New York, Texas, yep. and Boston. It was pretty demoralizing, especially the Texas series where they got swept down there. That was a nine-game losing streak. It is being interpreted, by the way, differently in New York, where Mike Vaccaro, our buddy and former star reporter, penned a column sometime after the game. He's so excited that he, he penned a column in Eastern time, mind you. Right. <laughs> you know, game didn't end until a few minutes after 1 a.m. And this thing got posted about 2.20 a.m. One of those, uh, if the Yankees go on to do great things, you could think back at this game in Kansas City. Hey, good for the Yankees. To, you know, as, as much as the Royals had to fight back each time, the Yankees kept the pressure on in each inning as well. They, they don't score in any one of the innings. The game is over and the Royals win it. So uh, a very entertaining game and a good show by both teams on Monday night into Tuesday morning. So, hey, let's take a break here. When we come back, we'll stay with that game and get into Carlos Hernandez and the prospect of the, the six-man pitching rotation. The Kansas City Royals lineup is backed up by the region's strongest team in healthcare, the University of Kansas Health System. We both suit up with one goal in mind to win. The University of Kansas Health System, official healthcare provider of the Royals. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, it's Blair. We have a special subscription offer for Sportsbeat KC listeners, unlimited digital access to the Kansas City Star's award-winning sports coverage. Sign up now for one year of Sports Pass for access to all the sports news, features, and columns presented on the KansasCity.com site, and it's only $30. That's a 40% savings off our regular rate. Your subscription will automatically renew after the initial term at 50 bucks, unless you tell us to cancel. Your subscription helps support the sports coverage of KansasCity.com and the Kansas City Star, and that support has never been more important. Please visit KansasCity.com slash offer to get this special offer. And as always, thanks for listening. Hey, we're back on Sportsbeat Live talking Royals with Lynn Worthy and Sam Mellinger. Before we leave the Royals 8-6, 11-inning loss to the Yankees on Monday night, the line score was just one of the most bizarre-looking line scores you'll ever see because all the scoring in that game happened from the seventh inning on, and every box contained a number from the seventh inning on. Before that, all zeros. 
I want to talk about Royal starter Carlos Hernandez, who, my gosh, we've spent a lot of time and deservedly so talking about the Royals' young pitching prospects, you know, when they're going to get here, how are they going to perform when they get here. And we haven't spent a lot of time talking about Carlos Hernandez. I think we need to talk about this guy, not just last night, but the couple of games against the White Sox. This guy has just been terrific. Lynn, take us through the evolution of Carlos Hernandez to how the Warriors require him. He made his major league debut last I think it was last September. It was last month of last season. And just tell us a little bit more about Carlos Hernandez. Yeah, if I remember correctly, his debut came in relief of Matt Harvey last year. That's uh, it gives you a little perspective on where we were um, in 2020 in the pandemic season. I'm pretty sure he he ended up, you know, when Harvey had that stretch where he was only going two or three innings at a time, I think he was sort of the almost piggyback starter <laughs> who I think he made one or two starts last year sort of taking over that spot that Harvey held momentarily. And he's still only 24, like it's one of those things that you need to point out to people because everybody thinks of that group of young pitchers and doesn't necessarily think of him in that because he wasn't a draft pick like, you know, Singer, Coar, Lynch, and Bubich. He was an international signing. Um, Venezuela, yeah, it was out of Venezuela. And I think he was also one of those guys that are, for an international signing, he was sort of a, almost like a late signee. He wasn't a guy who signed at like 16 or 17. I think it was more like 18 or 19, if I'm remembering correctly. And so a little bit of a late bloomer for an international signee who they've liked his stuff. They thought there was some potential there. He, he throws four pitches now, and he's still throwing four pitches. He's not one of those guys who started off throwing them and then one fell by the wayside. There's been some talk because he throws as hard as he does. Like, well, maybe this is a potential reliever. Because, you know, we've seen him hit 100 in starts this season. I think he hit 98 last night, but he's also got off speed. He's got a change up. You know, he's got a breaking ball. He, he can come at you different ways. And it was interesting last night, too, because we've seen some outings from him where command has been an issue and, and he's gotten into some trouble that way. And he really didn't walk many last night. But um, early on, <laughs> I remember saying, uh, I think it was in the first inning, I was like, man, he needs a double play here. That that 122-mile, if he doesn't get a double play here pretty soon, then he might be looking at a 30-pitch inning. And then you look up, and he ends up, you know, I think the third or fourth inning, he had like a 10-pitch inning, and then he had like a nine-pitch inning. And then next thing you know, he hasn't given up any runs, and he's, you know, six innings in. I mean, um, he's grown since that that first appearance last year behind Harvey to the point where, you know, he's in that conversation with those starters, and even if people don't necessarily think of him as part of that group because he wasn't in the draft class. There's a lot of reasons that he was kind of under the radar, right? Like, Lynn, you just mentioned this. His professional debut, he's 20 years old. And then, you know, before the pandemic, he was in high A ball and was doing well, but not lighting the world on fire. But God, if you just watch him pitch, I mean, just it, it was a right handed hitter. I forgot who it was, but he got a strikeout just on a 98 at the knees on the black on the outside. And it's like, <laughs> you can do something like that, you know, for strike three. You've got something different. That slider would be plus in the scout vernacular. And, he's, you know, the curveball and changeup are coming as well. He's got the whole part. You know, he looks the part, too. Like, I always think about that with, like, Singer. You know, he just kind of looks the part when he's on the mound. And, and Carlos, man, he, he just looks like he's in control. You know, the emotions are, are, are where you'd want him to be. And, you know, if you've got a four-pitch mix like that and your fastball is averaging, like, 98, I think I just saw in fan graphs when I was looking it up. I mean, that's there's some stuff there. I mean, if, if, if that all comes together, that's a front-of-the-rotation type of guy. 
He pitched into the seventh last night and was throwing 98. As his pitch count was approaching 100, I don't think he got to 100. 99 yeah, or 100. Maybe 96 or something like that. Was he there? Okay. It was, okay. So it was, it was a little shy. And, and this is a guy who, you know, his first, I want to say, like, 12 appearances were relief appearances this year because he's had he had four starts, I believe, prior to last night. This was all, you know, sort of the background information that was in version one of 10 game stories that just never got seen. But, yeah, um, I'm pretty sure it was he's only had these last four starts going into last night. That was the fifth start. The, the two before coming against the White Sox were really good. But, you know, he had a lot of relief outings before that. He was up. Early in the season, went back down to AAA and started, and then came back again. It was in the bullpen, so he's he he hasn't quite had the uh, Edward Olivares shuttle run, but he he was a little bit back and forth, and you know, in different roles. Well, and we're going to see him once a week, right, with a six-man rotation. That's about what it's going to average out to with with him, Keller, Singer, Minor, Lynch, and Bubich. Why the six-man rotation, Lynn? It was seemed like it was pointing that way as soon as you heard that. Okay, Singer's coming back. And when you look at the group that they have, when you look at, you know, Hernandez, Lynch, Bubich, they're all still, not all, but still young guys that they want to take a look at. And there's not a candidate, or at least not necessarily a strong guy that you want to pull out of that rotation to add somebody in. Plus, you know, we're still, this is still the season coming off of the, you know, the pandemic year where everything was weird with innings counts and workloads. So, also probably just makes sense to spread guys out a little bit and, you know, not have them going every fifth day, have them going every sixth day and still get a look at all the guys that you want to see and get them innings in the big leagues, regular starts. And you still have your guys, the two innings eaters, you know, that you're going to rely on a little bit and uh, Miner and Keller to make their regular starts. Heck, all these guys have been eating some innings here lately, right? Pitching into the sixth and seventh. The starting pitching has been pretty darn good of late and like to see it continue. Let's go back to the game last night just for this reason. Bottom of the ninth, the Royals are down to their last strike. They're down one. Witt had uh, reached, stolen second. Nicky Lopez is at the plate, and he slaps a single. I believe it was a full count, but anyways, two strikes. Slaps a single to left, drives in Merrifield. Nicky's now in the number two hole, which is sort of, you know, it started in the National League ballpark, but seems like it's sticking. Okay, and one of the, I'm sure this was in the Royals' notes, and credit Dave Holtzman if it was, and certainly credit Ryan Lefevre for bringing it up last night. Over the last 41 games, Nicky Lopez has the fifth highest batting average in baseball, 338, something like that. I had no idea. Look, I know his average was up, it'd been over 280. It's somewhere around 275 right now, but this guy's just playing his butt off. Listen, Salvador Perez is hands down the the Royals' player of the year for, for this team. For a non-pitcher, if you had to look for second and third candidates, Nicky Lopez is is right up there for me. What about you, Sam? I think it's true that he has made the most progress of anybody, um, at least on the big league roster. I, I don't know what to do with MJ Melendez and, and Bobby Witt Jr. and Nick Prado and those guys. But just on, on the big league roster, I mean, we're talking about a guy who, when camp broke, was told he would be the second baseman in Omaha. And then a couple hours later or whatever it was is told he's going to be the starting shortstop in Kansas city. I think a lot about his season and, and part of it is, you know, baseball is such a, like it's failure, right? Baseball players are built different mentally. I mean, they just, you, you develop a superpower of kind of, you know, how to deal with this stuff. And I thought that Nikki Lopez was 
not good, ungood, as I might say, defensively the, for the first maybe month or so. I just felt like he was a little bit overwhelmed at big league shortstop. And then ever since then, almost like May 1st, it seems like he's been great. He's been really, really good defensively. I, I just think a lot about just mentally what it takes to deal with that disappointment. And then immediately you get, it had to feel like, you know, just sort of a lifeline. Now you're pulled back into Kansas City and you're given this opportunity and to take full advantage of it like he has. I mean, there's a lot of pressure on him to do that because at that point, he's a borderline big leaguer. And 4A is not off the table for, you know, what his future is going to be. And and he has taken this opportunity and made himself a solid piece of, of the Royals' future. And, and it gives them a lot more options. It makes their lineup a little deeper, assuming if this is who Nicky Lopez is going forward, um, second base is covered. And you've got a hell of an insurance plan at shortstop defensively for you know any Mondesi injury. Um, you can move Bobby Wood Jr. around a little bit, third base. I keep thinking like center field. I'm, I'm apparently I'm, I'm the only person thinking about that, but I, I wonder what Bobby Wood Jr. would look like in center field. But it just it, it gives the Royals a lot more options and versatility. And I, I just I'm trying to think as as far as who has taken advantage of 2021 and and made the most progress in their big league career. I think it's Nicky Lopez, and I'm not sure it's close. I don't think it is close, especially when you think about like you said, the guy who not only was going to start the the season in the minors. But who, you know, I don't want to say a lot of fans because, you know, it gets skewed on social media. But there were some some loud folks who were ready to to send him on the first thing packing because they were ready to move Bobby Witt in there yesterday. And yeah. now you look at what this kid has done and he's one of your best players, all around players for what he's doing defensively and offensively. One of the most consistent guys. And I mean, and I think it was last night, you know, at some point, I think we were sort of joking about how Nikki comes through with that that hit on two strikes. Somebody said, wait a minute, was there two strikes on that? And I, and I said, of course there was two strikes on that. You know, there's always two strikes on that when Nikki comes through with that base hit. I mean, you know, and he just had the, um, you know, the hit the, that, that gave him the win the other day in, uh, in St. Louis the day before. So it's like, it's got to that point where you're almost expected from him, at least this season. Um, which is, I think, saying a lot for a guy who people were ready to give up or maybe some fans, again, not necessarily most, but just the loud fans were ready to give up one and who was supposed to start the season in the minor leagues. This is, again, kind of nerdy, but, um, you know, what's part of what Lynn was talking about just kind of jogged my head. This says a lot about a hitter, I think. Like when, when he's behind in the count, he's hitting 278. When he's ahead, it's 288. And a lot of that is just how his swing is built. You know, he's contact-oriented, and, and he's a tough out at the plate. But I just, I don't know. I think that says something about a guy, about a hitter, when, when he's basically just as good, not as on base, but just his batting average for whatever that's worth is basically just as good when he's behind um, in the count. That is an ornery at-bat. You know, if you're the pitcher, that's, that's a pain in the ass. And that's part of what he brings to the Royals. His defensive metrics are actually really good, too, because, you know, yeah. I think the last couple of weeks, you've heard Mike Matheny throw out gold glove and we were sort of like, well, you know, that's the skipper. That's what he's going to say. And then I think, you know, at one point last night, we were looking up like some of the defensive metrics and just like, well, where is he at amongst some of the shortstops? And he's up there. I mean, depending on which ones you look at, one of the ones we looked at defensive runs saved, especially amongst the American leaguers, he's way up there. I think the only... The only thing that, you know, as we were talking about, we we're like, well, maybe there's some guys reputation wise that sometimes that plays into gold glove, especially when you're talking about a guy who's supposed to start in the minors and who hadn't really been a shortstop. But um, defensive run saved, uh, UZR, I think outs above average. Like he's he's right there. You, you don't have to go scroll too far to find his name on that list. Good stuff from the former Creighton Blue Jay, Nikki Lopez. All right, guys, great stuff. 
from you. And next week, we will talk about the future of center field for the Royals. I think that's a really interesting. I can see a lot of other positions covered, but I'm not so sure what, what the Royals see about the center field. And uh, I want to talk to you guys about that. And by the time we chat next week, Whit Merrifield will have broken Alcides Escobar's record for consecutive games as in a Royal. So he will own the, the Royals record for that. And that'll give us another topic for a week from Tuesday. Please join us then. Thank you so much for your attention to listener Lynn and Sam. Thanks to Beth Welsh, our producer, to the University of Kansas Health System. And we'll do it again next Tuesday at 10 a.m. That'll do it for today. Thanks to our Sportsbeat KC production staff of Beth Welsh, Derek Donovan, Monty Davis, Jeff Rosen, Chris Fickett, and Savannah Smith. Tip of the cap to Lynn Worthy and Sam Mellinger for stopping by and talking Royals. Links to their stories can be found in the show notes and on KansasCity.com. Hey, got another deal for you. You can subscribe to Sports Pass for 99 cents a month. That's right, 99 pennies a month. Sports Pass is the online version of the Star Sports section. You get all the stories that appear in the print editions of the Star, plus additional stories that appear only on the website. And of course, they're posted first on KansasCity.com. After three months, it auto-renews at $5.99 a month unless you cancel. And it's a great time to subscribe. Read about what's going on with the Chiefs at training camp as they prepare for their first preseason game this weekend. The Royals, the colleges, our soccer teams, and more. How do you get it? You go to kansascity.com slash sportspass2020. That's kansascity.com slash sportspass2020. Do you want more than just sports coverage? Check out the entire Kansas City Star product. Sports news features, commentary, and analysis, the whole thing. You get all the stories written by my talented colleagues, plus additional national news, sports, features, and business coverage with the E-Edition. The details for all of these deals can be found at account.kansascity.com slash subscribe. And if you're having trouble hunting down any of those offers, you just send me an email, bkirkoff at kcstar.com, and I'll get you to the right place. So whether it's the Sports Pass or the full subscription, you're getting and supporting the best sports and news coverage in Kansas City and helping us produce programs like Sports BKC. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back on Wednesday with another episode. Mm-hmm.